Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the second episode of The Creator's Journey. I'm your host, Ed Nye, and this week we've got Harriet DeMax. She works for the Suffolk County Council in the comms team as a video content producer, and she's also a documentary maker. And we had a really good time just talking, you know, and I think by the end of it, she was interviewing me more than I was interviewing her. I do want to apologise in advance that we had some technical problems with the mic and the sound quality may not be the best, but the conversation quality was the best, so that's the payoff we have to deal with. So, without further ado, let's go. How are you coping with all this craziness? Oh my gosh. Okay, so it's like it's been a bit of a whirlwind of emotions. So like first, so we were like sort of in lockdown like a week before a lot of other people um, because my housemate had a cough. So we sort of started like a week earlier. And but like so I could have gone and done things like could have gone into work. But because I work from home like two to three days a week anyway. I was like, oh, if I can avoid it, I might as well, uh, not really realising how serious the situation was. And then we, so then we started writing like a script and we were really optimistic and started writing like a comedy script about being stuck in lockdown, like these two girls that are like uh, freaking out and arguing over who goes and gets the bog roll from the toilet, uh, from the corner shop and things like <laughs> that. And it was just, you know, really silly things and just like, just taking the nick out of it a little bit and sharing lots of memes as I'm sure like so many people will have done oh, um, yeah. and then it sort of and then it fluctuated and then it dipped and it went really serious and um we had like a, a group call with the comms team and it was kind of like right well we'll see you on on the flip side of this and then it sort of hit home like oh gosh everyone's working from home now and then obviously the actual lockdown happened. So we were just like running around, like um, my housemate was like, I need to get petrol for the car. You know, like she was like, tomorrow I might go take it for a valet. And I was like, in what world are you living in? And like, we're going in lockdown, like it's going to be it. Like, um, but we, so we just sort of laughed about that in the end. Cause we were like, no, this is actually really serious. We have to sort of follow government guidance and stuff. Yeah. Um, so then then when it hit home um we were like i felt really low uh felt really really low uh i think that's natural right? like the first few days when i was stuck at home i was just like i'm not quite sure what's happening and i'm not used to this yeah i think it's that initial hit have you been able to get out of that or are you still struggling with it um yeah like so we we ended up I think that the worst day was when um, I had a friend call me um, and his dad's terminal with cancer and um, he they basically gave him a call to say they're going to stop his chemo treatment until we're on the other side of this and that if if he needed a ventilator that they they wouldn't be able to he's not on the priority list basically mm. um and that was really that really hit hard so we sort of both I gave him a call and we just sort of had a good cry on the phone um just because oh. that yeah that was really really savage yeah. um so that was a pretty hard week um and then um I'm involved with a charity um who do stuff for like kids in care because I was I was in foster care about 10 years ago and I just had this these really horrible feelings of like, God, if I was just if I'd just arrived in my new placement, um, how would I be feeling right now? And I kept getting these waves of like real gratitude for the my living situation, but real guilt mm. for not everyone's gonna be as comfortable as I'm as I am right now. Not everyone's gonna have the job security that I have right now. And um I think that was like a really, really like tough thing to kind of 
I think everyone in some way, shape or form is going to be carrying the weight of the world. You know, we, could, we couldn't worry about so much, mm. but then it's just about what can we do within our influence? What, what impacts can we have? So, yeah, I think I have come out of it a lot better. Um, I had um, chats with various people that were like, you know, you can't take on everything. You have to stay mentally well and uh, keep, keep you you know you can go through the emotions but make sure that they pass and you know keep 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 your mind working and ticking over and stuff because you need to stay sort of like sane and 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 and, and you know like look after yourself if, if you're going to get through this and, and and be able to help others because you're not going to be able to help others if you just sat there sort of all doom and gloom well i i find it interesting because i'm kind of the same but I've also learned over the years to filter it out to harness these emotions that I feel from like other things it's kind of like the reason why I don't pay too much attention to the news yes yeah I'm, I'm very similar with that actually yeah like I, I class myself as an empath I take on quite a lot when I like see things that are happening around I've learned over the years that if it's out of my control I can't take it on board have you ever heard of the serenity prayer yes i have isn't that um that's what they do in like aa and stuff isn't it yeah so that's something that i at my old school that was the one prayer that teachers would always make us recite because that was was the most important for everyone to take on board and for those who don't know what it is the prayer is really simple it's god grant me the serenity to accept things that i cannot change courage to change the things that I can and wisdom to know the difference I always find that prayer helps whether you're religious or not it's just a way to channel your emotions to something that is within your own control yeah yeah I really like that that's such a positive way to look at it and and it is it's I think this is this whole lockdown is going to teach a lot of people acceptance Mm. and yeah my friend said to me the other day he was like it's like the world's just had a mirror held up at itself like everyone's kind of got a mirror held up to themselves and it's like how we act in this now is going to make such a huge difference oh, I mean I'd definitely say to to people like not to get too caught up in it because I think and it, it will fluctuate I think also I've, I've learned to accept my moods aren't going to be stable I'm not going to be I'm a human being I'm not a robot I'm not going to be one emotion the whole way through this it's going to go up and down but yeah it's kind of like like you say it's just getting that acceptance oh hang on a minute I'm not gonna freak out here I'm just going to accept that this is the situation and um with yeah the wisdom to know the difference I love that yeah I also uh, like to try and harness the emotions so if I'm feeling low or feeling happy I like to try and use those emotions to either write a story or draw a picture or something to just like channel these emotions so I can get them out of myself yeah like you were saying when you were in initial stages lockdown you were like writing a comedy strip and I think that's exactly the type of stuff that you need because you need to like express these emotions in these weird times yes definitely and I feel like as well like it's been a really weird one I've gone through it's probably like quite a, a weird one to admit but I've gone through like feelings of guilt so like when that when we when this whole thing started happening I saw like it was just like a silly meme that said something like um Norfolk, uh, one of the only counties not to have had coronavirus yet, but I think I'd rather have corona than live in Norfolk. I originally like really laughed at that and like shared it in like the mm. comms team chat, and like yeah, to an extent it was funny, but then you know like a week later like the situations become really serious and you know things have got real basically and. Yeah. And like, I don't know, it's like the constant shift of like what's been appropriate humour and stuff. I don't know if it's got you or anything. I don't know. That's the thing about humour. After every tragedy, there's always been dark humour that follows it. I personally don't really feel like just because you're laughing at the situation doesn't mean you don't feel bad for people. Yes, yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean you're not taking it serious type thing. Yeah. Comedians can make the most horrendous joke and people will laugh at it. Yeah. One of the perfect examples is uh, Jimmy Carr. 
he has this thing where he makes these really horrible, horrible jokes in his stand-up sets. And he's actually joked about this before, where he's, his aim is to make these outlandish jokes and then have people laugh, and then they'll have that moment of silence of, why the hell do I laugh at that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And hitting that note, I, I feel, is, is a good way of getting conversation started. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I mean, that's the point. I mean, what what is um what is gonna come out? What sort of comedians are gonna are gonna come out of the pandemic? What sort of content are we gonna see like in the next sort of few months? I know that BBC put out a script for dark comedies, um, dark comedy scripts specifically based on like the COVID nineteen pandemic. I actually submitted a script for one of the BBC shorts competition for like video conferencing or filmed via video conferencing. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. Did you, because uh, we, we submitted ours, but it wasn't really the, like the kind of initial script that we'd written in the first week before we even came across that opportunity. Yeah. But I don't think in terms of like our formatting and stuff, we were pretty all over the shop with it and didn't really get a chance to properly look at it. But I mean... Did you kind of write yours specifically to the brief then? And Yeah, I was just using my own previous experiences of video conferencing and I wrote a love story about it. Oh, brilliant. Uh, do you reckon you'd still film it even if it didn't get picked or anything? Like Maybe. Ideally it will. That would be so cool if it comes to life. That would be awesome. I'd rather have it be done professionally. I don't know enough actors or I don't have the production know-how to do it, but I would love to see it be made. That is awesome. I wonder how many applications they got for that. Uh, Apparently they got over 6,400. Wow. That is And they only gave out the brief like just two weeks before. Yeah. I suppose no one's had anything to do, have they? (laughs) They've had so much. Everyone's been in quarantine, so. But it's crazy. Like 6,400 people wrote a script in less than 14 days. That's so good. Uh, I'm really excited. You know, whatever they um, come out with, I'm really excited to see what, you know, because it is, it's, I think that content's so important right now. I was looking at as well. I thought, the um i'm not a massive fan of jamie oliver if i'm honest but i really really liked his cooking show what was it sort of keep calm and carry on cooking or something like that on channel four it's just like right look here's ingredients you can get from your corner shop you know we're gonna make a, a corner shop curry and just kind of like loads of different bits of like how you could sort of this was when you know everything was out of stock on the in the supermarkets on the yeah. shelves and he was just like oh yeah look you can do this add a bit of that and um, you can swap in and out ingredients nothing you don't have to stick to this recipe if you don't have this add that it, i don't know it was just really like fast-paced and very like well thought through like thinking on mm. his feet type thing and i just thought that was a really nice like morale booster because i really couldn't I wasn't even thinking about cooking fresh food or trying to get into that in the first week. I don't know what what came over me. I just really was, I was just like, oh, I'll just quickly make something in the oven or whatever. But actually that really sort of kick-started, like, actually, no, let's, like, use this time to eat healthy. And It's also very important just to be flexible. People don't give enough credit about, like, those who have, like, a set weekly dinner, they've got, like, a routine. And those who tend to stick to a routine get stuck in the autopilot. They don't use their brain as, as often to like think of like sorting out problems. And when you aren't flexible in that area, that's a way to get in, uh, early age dementia. Gosh, that's quite serious, actually, isn't it? Yeah. So it's important to be flexible and ch- switch up a routine and just like just because something's not broke doesn't mean you can't change it (laughs) yeah yeah I feel like it's going to be the start of like some really like different people are just going to have different mindsets after this aren't they I think that's a good thing yeah so much positivity has happened because of this pandemic so that it's just finding ways of viewing the positive in the negative yeah that's so true so so true and I feel like the sense of community and like obviously I work for the comms in the council and like seeing all the councillors come together regardless of like political parties and things like that like everyone's really it's been such a joint effort from everyone in the community and just seeing the positive response as well um just like yeah it's just been really really nice 
it's it's made me dead proud of Suffolk like it really has like I just think in terms of accounting and how we've operated I do think that we've done the the best of a bad situation yeah, that continues like just walking through like Ipswich Town Centre the other day it was so quiet and that was such a bizarre feeling have you done that we uh we went for a little walk out along the waterfront and there was a police van that came up and down yeah mm. we'd we'd sort of been sat on the bench for a while and we were just sort of talking but they ended up like the third time they came down they were like uh do you know about the government guidelines and we were like yes we do like we're taking it really seriously we just really like tonight we just needed to be out like we just needed to get some fresh air and just to have a change of scenery like we live in a really small flat so I think that that night particularly we were quite uh, keen to get out but in a way like even though we're like you know we've just been sat here for however long though I totally get why they were doing it and quite reassuring to know that like they're doing this and, and my police are really are taking it seriously so yeah we just sort of were like yeah let's just go to home at this point <laughs> I think when it gets darker I think I've learned this week that like if we can avoid going for walks in the evening that you know that's better just just go if you want to go for that walk or whatever do it in the day mm. sit on a park bench uh, not on like a bench like near town or whatever and, yeah. and do it that way but yeah no, how are you feeling in terms of like space and local parks and stuff like that do you feel like you've oh uh, I, I live in the suburbs of Ipswich so I'm pretty okay like it, right now the sun is shining mm. it, there's not a cloud in sight and it just feels like people should be going out at these things but then we're all being responsible like I'm looking outside the window and it's dead quiet and it's also a very nice feeling to feel serene and calm you know when you go to like a lake or a river mm. and there's no one around and you just and you can just take everything in take in your surroundings that's kind of how I feel when I'm at home and I'm just like looking outside and nobody around but there's a lot of beauty around mm. and you can just absorb what's around you yeah definitely I got up um really early one Friday morning and I'd, I'd, I'm usually just like a proper like a late night person but I've realized that actually I've, I think I'm not a very very much of a morning person because I think I've actually got more social anxiety than I realized mm. so it takes me a lot to like get out of the door in the morning I sort of like go round and round in circles making sure that I've got everything and done everything and blah 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 yeah I didn't realize how like, ritualistic I am I don't know if that's the right word but like mm. you know that like, how everything's kind of got to be that way whereas like since the quarantine I've been able to like just get up and like go for a jog around the park and it's been really nice because I know I'm not not gonna like bump into someone or like I could still obviously bump into people but I just it's not really it's not like <laughs> the chances yeah. are like and I think it's like hearing the world outside it's like oh you've got to really like brace yourself before you step out of the door whereas since this quarantine I haven't had to do that at all and yeah I woke up really early and just opened my window and there were just so many it was about five or six o'clock in the morning and I could just hear the bird tweeting really loudly and I took a video of it and I was just like this is just so nice like total quiet and just hearing the birds in the morning like I was like oh I've really missed out on mm. on this here thought that we could have it this peaceful like I like how your first instinct is to take a video of it <laughs> that just show, that shows my <laughs> what I do doesn't it <laughs> yeah. uh, it's nice to have that mindset because different people re- react to different things in different ways and you having that instinct of taking a video of something that's beautiful captures it is that how you got into it like you want to capture moments yeah so what to get into like video production yeah what what was your initial passion for it oh so my initial thing was I think it was my social worker set me up to go to join ICRFM it's uh, community radio I'm sure anyone that's listening will probably have heard of it um but yes yeah, so so what was well, what is now Arch where Archant is that is where I used to go and I did like the training course and I got to do a show mm. on a Monday and I used to go on after Ed Barnes in the morning I think I was 10 till 11 on a Monday morning I really really enjoyed radio like 
So that was originally like my draw to media was actually doing radio. What was your show about? Do you know what? It was about, <laughs> it was really, <laughs> it was so lame when I look back at it, but also it was just really, really fun to make. My friend Meg decided to make a, an episode with me or like a show with me where we did like music through the ages. So she just picked all of her favourite songs from like each era, starting from I think like it was the 1920s to like 2000. So yeah, that was that was really fun. Um, I did one where I spoke to my friend Georgia about going to university and like what her tips were with like when I go to university eventually. And so yeah, stuff like that was really, really cool. So yeah, did that. And then finally got into uni and did uh, a degree in TV and radio production. So it was just like, yeah, it was a broadcast, I think it's called broadcast media, and then in brackets, TV and radio production. And really okay. enjoyed the radio side, really liked doing that. We did, we, because um, I was in Sunderland, it was on a radio station called Spark FM, and I used to be a producer for a few different people, which was really fun. One of my friends who I used to produce or now works for Radio One and One Extra, which is great. So she, she really stuck with that, and it was awesome. And she's just, yeah, she's proper into her radio. She loves all her music and, and fits her perfect. But then I sort of got drawn slightly to documentary mm. making. And so really, really enjoyed all of that. Um, okay. I, re- I realised actually my my niche, maybe as it were, like talking to people and like storytelling. That's not to say like I'm really, I'm a really good storyteller about things of, of my own self. But like I really love like taking someone's story and like putting it together and then sharing it with people. Like, you know, just finding like really interesting people and just having a conversation. Kind of like, you know, what you're doing with the... Um, you know, with wanting to do podcasts, stuff like that. I know you're like a proper sociable, just like to like meet people and like talk to people and keeps you ticking over, I think. We ended up um, quite a few cool documentaries. We did one about um, people that worked in like a shop, but underground, it was like a haven for women that were going through domestic abuse and stuff. So that was really, really interesting. So it's disguised as a shop so that the women that went there weren't, told that they couldn't go anymore um but then underneath they had like workshops and they worked with the police and the police came in and like sort of did different things and gave them advice and taught them self-defense and things like that so it's really really interesting mm. little setup so that was like the first documentary we did and carol morley um ended up retweeting it for us which was amazing and and that was just like you know like she's just great in terms of like documentary and stuff like that Mm. and so yeah i don't know we just really really enjoyed doing like film and then after that i just kind of got really into that really do you feel like you wouldn't be able to tell your own story but you know how to tell everyone else's story really well Oh, that's such a hard question. <laughs> Ed. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> I don't, yeah, the weird thing is, like, I've done a, I did a documentary about things that have been close to home. So, like, yeah. I think, and I think, I think that's what they always, all my lecturers said it as well. There's a lovely guy called Andy who ran the radio course and he was brilliant. He always just said, you know, stick to things that you know, find people that are accessible to you. And in my time, the people that were accessible to me were people with pretty, I guess, like serious stories. Mm. So I guess I didn't have as much fun in terms, well, I had loads on making it and I, I loved yeah. what I did. But like my story sort of took quite a serious tone. So I had one radio documentary, which was recorded in the rooms of AA because my mum's a recovering alcoholic. <laughs> um, I, I don't think she'd mind me saying that. She's very, very open about it. And she, she does amazing things helping other people now, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so I did one that was like that and then my friend who was also in foster care but he ended up getting put into like bed and breakfasts and stuff he was yeah very much like sort of put into like some really awful like b&b situations so we we made a little documentary about him called brown hold or bag because he told this story of like this bag that he had um yeah and it just got so battered and so broken that he ended up having to buy a new one um 
because he'd just moved around that many times so his story was quite harsh and then I did another documentary about my dad who has Huntington's disease which is like a neurological sort of like deterioration Uh, yeah it's like like a uncurable um thing it sort of slowly takes takes parts of you so it's it's good that you're tackling these like heavy subjects and it's definitely worth people knowing about people don't tend to watch documentary to find entertainment from mm. it they find like the people watch documentary to learn something or see something from a yeah, different I think light that, i think some documentaries can be really entertaining like i would love in the future to do something like i don't know if you've seen like the flat earthers documentary on netflix <laughs> no i i haven't but i have seen uh, hail satan oh what's that that sounds that's a documentary about uh, uh satanism oh gosh i bet that's heavy no no it's basically satanism isn't what you think it is right it's basically modern day atheism which is anti-religion really gosh definitely worth a watch okay yeah this flat earth is one ed you've got to watch that brilliant that is real quality that is the sort of documentary i'd like to make in the future is i think in terms of like filmmaking it's definitely been quite a cathartic experience to make stuff like that but i think now i've kind of got that all out my system I really just like, I just like meeting people and talking to people and just finding out stuff. And I think like with my job at the moment, it's, it's a really good place to do that yeah. in terms of just like, yeah, getting out into the community and, and finding out stories. But then going forward, something funny, something a bit lighter, mm. especially in these times. You say you have like social anxiety and when it comes to like meeting people or bumping into people. Mm. How do you deal with that when like meeting new people? Uh, do you know what? This is this is where I probably sound like a bit weird, right? Because I guess like so the going out and meeting people and like the I guess the, the conversation being on me or trying to talk about it, which I feel like you'd like struggle to believe because we're doing this podcast absolutely fine. But that's because we've met each other and we've spoken and we've had yeah. conversations. And so it doesn't feel and also in the comfort of our own home, like you say, like I've been looking out my window while talking to you and just like mm. there's there's two kids that are just they always play Kirby on the street now it's quite cool like they've <laughs> do you know what like I haven't seen that in since I used to play oh. that in years so that's quite cool yeah. they're always out play with that football I don't know what it is about the social anxiety personally but I know that when I'm in a position where I'm interviewing someone the attention's on them and I think because I really empathize with that pressure I think in a way it's made me like quite good at helping take it away. That makes sense. Yes. I think because I empathise of like how they might be feeling. I think I'm really good at like setting a really relaxed environment and talk to me like there's no judgment here because that's one thing that I really like freeze up against or what if someone's like I don't know if it's just because of certain situations in the past where like I've been felt led to feel embarrassed or you know people have looked down their nose like oh you're in care or like things like that and I really don't like snobbery or like that sort of looking down Mm. your nose at someone it just doesn't sit well no I I completely understand that because coming from a background of being an ethnic minority and there there is that little hump that you're trying to get over yourself personally it's not that people do look down on you or anything it's the fact that there's still that mindset in the back of your head thinking that that imposter syndrome yes yeah that probably hit the nail on the head with that yeah Yeah. nine times out of ten they're probably not even thinking that of you yeah is that what you just kind of like repeat saying to yourself you are in that like anxious place no i do what you do which is i take the focus away from me The reason why I feel like I'm a really good interviewer when it comes to like podcasts and doing talks and everything yeah. is that I don't make the focus on me. I make the focus on whoever I'm interviewing. So and despite me being quite a sociable person, I'm actually an introvert. Yeah, yeah. So it takes a lot for me to just get out there. And once I'm out there, I can get into that mindset well. I'm in this already. I can focus on not making a fool of myself. So when I meet someone new, I try to ask them what they do, why they like doing what they do, and try and get to know them before they get to know me. Yeah, that is totally... That is... Yeah. Isn't it weird? I feel like so many people are like that as well. I feel like we are so not a minority in that situation. I just feel like so many people Mm. do that. 
and it is and there's a, I just think there's a lot of natural introverts that are forced to be extroverted and I feel that's just the way that our society works now like yeah. you can't really afford to be completely introverted or you'll just kind of fall off the face of the earth and mm. how have you found um socializing over like the quarantine period because you've obviously like done some really cool stuff like the talk with the lady that you had Betty. yeah that was it yeah Betty. the way I met Betty was completely coincidental right we were just in cult cafe and I bumped into Remy Morrison and and then I was actually having a number of meeting beforehand so I had the meeting and then I went to say goodbye to Remy and then there was Betty sitting next to Remy and I was like okay so I wanted to go chat with Remy for a bit and then just kind of like snowballed and me and Betty started talking and then that was basically it she was someone that I kind of knew through Instagram <gasps> Okay. But I didn't really know her. I've never met her until then. Kind of knew what she did because she's a game designer and I dabble in making games as well. So we really got on that way. And then just when the quarantine happened and I didn't know what I was doing and how I would carry on anything I did, I had a conversation with another person and he said, look, you should just carry it on and try and keep it the way it was and I was like how do I do that because like it's online it's really hard to meet people when you're in a video conferencing and nobody's like going into their own groups to talk and he said well you could always make it about what they do and having someone give a talk about what they do during an online meetup is also something that would interest a lot of people and also provide a bit of positivity yeah yeah I tell you what it it definitely has been like I think sometimes it can be such a push as well just to get out and um, even when you come home from work and you're like oh I've got to get dressed and go back out again it's again that social anxiety thing of like putting your face on I think especially for, for women not being biased but especially for women I think there is that whole thing of like oh you've got to get get your face on get you know wear something nice blah 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 um and, and and get out the door and get to these events and I feel like sometimes like there can be a bit of pressure at networking I don't think you set that vibe at all in um, mm. the things that you've set up which is great which is yeah. really really nice I just feel like a Suffolk folk like we're quite we're quite natural people aren't we <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know we're not uh you know we're not going to try and be something that we're not but mm. having said that I think actually being able to do it from the comfort of our own homes has um, has been really nice as well. And and maybe, I mean, we had this conversation on the phone about a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, about how content and how content sharing is going to change through this throughout this pandemic. Like just seeing the amount of memes and videos and all the little comedy skits that people do, even last night that we had like online concerts happening strange how things have evolved just in the matter of weeks yeah yeah and do you think you'll continue to kind of like live stream in the future when this blows over and you're running these workshops would you mm. host them as a live thing that you can attend but then also would you have like a zoom camera set up for those that wanted to watch from their own homes like would that now be something that you'd consider doing going forward I think it takes a lot more thinking about because the whole reason why I decided to run this uh, community organization because I wanted to be more connected with people in a face-to-face manner yeah there's a lot of uh, people that I've met online that you don't really get a sense on until you actually meet them in real life Up until now, people haven't really seen the value of just being in the same room together. Mm, Yeah, that's true. Like, I can put stuff online, I can put online classes on, but I lose that connection of building a relationship with them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, it feels more formal when it's online. Yeah, that is very true. Do you think in terms of, like, live concerts and stuff, or, like, DJ sets, like, I know Diplo's done some really cool stuff on um, Mm. YouTube and stuff like that. Do you think that will... Do you think that people still, like, live stream stuff? Or do you think, actually, that when things go back to normal, they do go back to normal? Because if people are paying to attend an event or people are to to, to be Mm. there in the flesh like because I know that they release like say for example if if someone was touring they'd release like a tour DVD or something but it's all edited Mm. later down the line but do you think that they're 
then that could change and we could all start sort of live streaming stuff. Do you know what? I think there'll always be a market for live streaming stuff. It's really dependent on whether it's affordable and if the quality is good. If the quality remains good, then say, perfect example, people pay hundreds of pounds to go to Glastonbury. Mm. But it's also aired live on TV. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So if people wanted to pay money to see a concert that they can't physically get Mm. to, then there will definitely be a market for it. And I think that's worth pursuing. I just don't think people would see it that way at the moment. No, no. But I just makes you think, doesn't it? Like we've not realised how accessible things still actually can be from just the comfort of our own homes. Mm. Maybe this is just like my my introvert talking. Like just make everything just so comfortable. <laughs> like not at all. Like obviously, you know, I can't wait to get out and get down a pub when this is over and socialise with like my my close friends. But you know obviously that's still I'm still a sociable creature but but at the same time it just makes you wonder like say if you know someone was ill or they didn't have the capacity to like get to a stadium or be able to travel that far or go to see like Ariana Grande and wherever like if we could have something like that like live streamed in in the comfort of our own homes like how beneficial would that be would people pay to to be a part of that or I just I don't know it just makes me wonder where, where it's all going to go in the future. I mean, it probably will just like hop back to normal, but... I hope it doesn't. Yeah. I really hope it doesn't. There's been so much great content that's yeah. been released right now. I know someone who does daily lunchtime dance thing on Twitch. Brilliant. I think having more of that really helped create that positive and creative vibe to everyone yeah yeah and that's I think that's one thing I've really enjoyed out of this my friends are making content to share a girl from my work she does um, these dance classes on a Thursday night and so she like just live streamed she went live it was brilliant that's like she did so well just like I can't imagine like I think I'd just be like ah but she just just did it you know just live streamed um her dance class and was like yeah dancing in the kitchen everyone join in and like it's not these like ridiculous like instagram influencers i mean uh, like, no, yeah. they're not all ridiculous but you, you i mean you know there's there's like you don't have to be professional yeah like these really perfect people that are pushing their lifestyle and it's just like oh you're you're sort of putting this like image of perfection but actually it's really nice seeing like my friends sharing content um one of my friends on Mm. facebook shared her she hadn't played the piano in ages and she just got out the piano and just started playing and singing and like sharing her talent and like i was just Mm. like these are all like really natural people and really authentic videos and like really like great natural content that actually we've stopped like putting these people on a pedestal on our social media and the hierarchy is almost collapsed on social media because we're all sharing what we really enjoy, like natural yeah. photos. And like, you know, I've seen so many people posting like bare face photos in like their sweats and, and and sharing memes on Instagram, which before you wouldn't do because you were too worried about sharing your one designer cocktail. But now all the bars are shut. We can't do that. So, you know, it's, it's about... And people are doing it not for likes. They're doing it to spread joy. Yeah. And that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like social media as a face at the moment and I really thought I wouldn't like it throughout this. <laughs> I thought it would just do my absolute head in. But actually, it's say that with, with caution, like obviously, you know, making mm. sure that we don't have too much screen time is also like massively important to our, mm. our mental health and things. But I think, you know, with the right... I don't know that sense of community is really nice and like even stuff like this like the podcast that's going to go probably promoted on social media again we're all creating our own stuff and I love it I love it (laughs) and it it really depends on how you curate your own social media as well oh yeah definitely because if you follow the wrong people follow the news it does get overwhelming and i actually had a conversation this morning with someone she said she was just about to quit Facebook completely delete her Facebook and then she realized do you know what instead of deleting Facebook I just unfollow everything that I don't want to see and that was basically what kept her sane yeah 
absolutely we realize like how important it's like what you consume on your social media is 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 almost as important as what you put in your body like what you eat Mm. like what we consume is just so 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 important so yeah totally agree with that for her glad she didn't completely delete it because you know that sense of connection is going to be like really important we don't know how long this is going to go on for so but yeah just having that the right content on her that like some things would be really counterproductive and at that's this time kind of what i do on instagram like i have an, my own personal page and the only people i follow on my instagram are friends and artists that i like who only like post their own art stuff i don't pay attention to like celebrities or anything like that it's just basically people that i like and people who want to share art yeah it's important to just have a way of just escaping like what's around you for just even if it's just one website you can just go there and not worry about everything else yes yeah so important. there's so many different social media sites I just feel like if I just have one where I can just not worry about anything reading anything upsetting or just have something that inspires me Mm. that's always nice to have that levity that escape yeah definitely definitely yeah and have you found that you've had like any cabin fever or like how have you coped with like getting like restless so for me I have had cabin fever I can't stay in the house any longer so I I did go out and like get some groceries yeah so just going to the shop that's more than enough but I would love to do more sport like that's something I've missed Mm -hmm. even before the whole lockdown thing that's something that I've been missing a lot and I know you play football right yeah well only just sort of joined the team so we did we only managed like (laughs) two two sessions it literally just started before the whole thing sort of happened so I grew up playing football and as I've grown older I've had less and less friends to play football with and it's just like oh that's something I've missed for ages and even before lockdown, I had a bit of cabin fever because all I do pretty much all day is just either in my house or walking around town meeting people and like there's no outdoor activity that I do. Mm. I tell you what, um, goals is really, really good for um, mm. stuff like that. Like I think you can literally just like pay to play like and you can do like five sides and stuff like that. Um, I think so we had there was a five-a-side ladies group on Facebook for the football um, which was pretty cool um, but that that it was they used to just kind of do well they still do it like they do a poll of who's up for playing football obviously not at the moment but mm, yeah playing football tonight or whatever and then people come in but it's the same for for the new one that I've started going to on a Wednesday night that was just literally just kind of like turn up and and you can pay mm. you know a couple of quid or whatever and and stuff like that so there's there's definitely like groups so it's definitely worth just like looking around for that stuff for sure Um, but yeah I get what you mean like that social aspect I think even just like anything that you're working in media you're just going to be like constantly staring and even like it doesn't even have to be media but like you're just constantly staring at a screen for a lot of jobs these days so it's yeah finding that balance and get being able to get out and about so important have you had cabin fevers yet um yeah I have <laughs> um, we've got we literally live in like a two-bed flat and mm. there's it's very very small it's like literally we got one steep plot of stairs and then we're all just on one floor so we've got two bedrooms we've got a bathroom each actually which is pretty cool and then we've got like a a living room lounge thing and then our kitchen we're like we're pretty it's we're pretty like compacted in um but we've got like a backyard area so i found like getting outside of like my yoga mat and just doing like jumping jacks and stuff like that and burpees and things like that has just like really helped um Mm. i've really tried going going out out but yeah there there was a couple of nights where i was like I said like I felt yeah. quite low so I just need I just needed to get out and like change change of scene and stuff so but yeah if I've been able to avoid it I kind of have it also helps that we're natural introverts yeah yeah and do you know what it's really weird um I was saying this to my friend the other night like 
I feel like there's a lot of people I know that like my mum's one of them she, she's been really good actually like recently but like the first the first weekend we actually had a big argument but she was going off down to like this big event at the Buddhist centre and I was like mum uh... I was just like you can't just go out like you you know like you you could get you could catch it you're you're the 60 plus bracket now as she was not impressed by me saying that or, uh, <laughs> so that went down oh. yeah don't mention the age but, you know i was like your your class is memorable <laughs> um which she was not happy with but <laughs> then yeah and then we ended up just go back and forth she's like i'll do what i want and i was like all right whatever and so we ended up having a big argument. I was like, right, well, I'm going, I'm going back to um, my house now because you know, there's no way I'm, I'm sticking around with you, because I'd originally thought that we, we might um, mm. end up staying together. But I don't know what, what possessed to think that because we do not get on well in a household together. We're awful. <laughs> but yeah, so we just uh. ended up having a big argument. And she was like, well, I'm going to tell my Buddhist friend that you told me I'm not allowed out. And I was like, where? earth is this role like I felt like a parent telling off my child but like I, I'm sure of it some of the not I'm not saying all of them but oh. some of the old generation really thought like oh, I can get away with just still like going down here and doing that and it just right to the very end right to it we lockdown was announced and I'm not surprised like yeah. so many people have thought that way and it is it's, it's a massive we it's a whole new culture we've been thrust into that no one had any idea was coming towards them and there's there's a lot of people and like I've seen it because I'm quite like a I'm quite a chilled person really and I'm quite happy like like you say quite introverted but like there's been a lot of people that have just really resisted this like really like not happy with it at all and that again it's like a, it's a perspective thing and it's how close it comes to home and like I think had my, had I not spoken to my friend and, and heard about his dad and that situation and things are I might have been a bit more um, blase about it but then I don't know because of the seriousness of my job as well I just I think I got the government messaging pretty loud and clear quite soon so I think I was able to really take it seriously um, and I can't be making video content saying stay at home blah 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 social distance yeah. and then not be doing it myself you have to kind of practice what you preach um, and I'm quite a conscious conscientious person of like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say something and do something else so I'm pretty That's like true firm on like now stick to my word with that but yeah I feel like that yeah there's a lot of people that have really resisted this and I just wonder yeah how long they're going to resist or whether there's just going to be like a rebellion at some point I don't know I daren't I daren't want I wouldn't want to say that though I think people are starting to realize the gravity of it well hopefully if people are sensible I'm really skeptical because come summertime people are going to just flock out and be irresponsible again and that's when we reach a second peak but like I think I feel like at this present moment in time people are being responsible and the people of Suffolk have actually been really really good most of the people that I know have literally self-isolated oh that's so good we've we've done we've done all right haven't we we live in a touchwood fairly safe county so I think we'll pro- probably be, be one of the first counties to recover. Mm-hmm. Do you, So do you think they'll take the lockdown off like sort of area by area, do you reckon? I, I doubt it, no. mainly because people will be flocking to different counties. That's true. People that aren't allowed to like be out of lockdown, like, oh, I'm just going to Suffolk's out of lockdown, I'm going to move there. But I think like when everyone is out of lockdown, then we'll probably be the first ones to be able to cope with it better I think I was gonna I know what I was gonna ask you is there anything that you're gonna learn for a lighter note is there anything that you're gonna learn um while you're in quarantine or are you or are you like actually no let's take the pressure off no one should be doing any like pushing to do anything that they don't want to do just use this time to chill well I'm using this time to learn things that I probably should have been learning for like ages okay which is learning how to do digital painting better and learning how to write scripts oh that's cool yeah oh yeah script writing because i'm a i'm a i'm a short story writer yeah 
it's back in 2011 when I attended this uh, three-day intensive course in London on filmmaking for TV and also producing TV shows and stuff like that. That's cool. Since then, I've been saying I, I will learn how to write scripts. Every time I try to write a script, the format automatically takes me away from wanting to write a script. But like I said, I've, during this lockdown, I've learned how to write a script and I've actually found a really useful program for writing scripts. Ah, which one's that? Trelby. T-R-E-L-B-Y. Oh, I think I've heard of that. Because we, we used to use um, Celtex at um, university and there was a free version, but I don't think it's free anymore. Is that one, is the mm. Trelby one free? Trelby's completely free. It's really easy, easy to use. You basically start off with your description and you press tab and it takes you into like dialogue mode and then you press tab again and it get, takes you back to description mode again. So you don't have to do any formatting at all. It's pretty much automatic. And if you want to do like action and stuff, you right click and you can just select it. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, I, I would recommend using that. That's basically taking taking most of the work away from me because I, I prefer to just write yeah. and not worry about formatting until much later. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's great if you can format as you write. That's just like ideal, mm. isn't it? Which is why for the last decade or so I've been a short story writer and not been a script writer even though I love writing dialogue that's cool how about you what do you prefer when you like do scripts like do you do comedy or do you do drama or do you do a mix um I guess I guess I do like a little bit of that I mean there's one I'm working on at the moment but it's like I I mean I'm not a big big script writer like I, I I've got this one idea I think I just started it when I was going through something and I thought it was just a really good way just sort of like project everything into just the script um so but yeah it was um it's I'd say it's a dark comedy like it's very niche <laughs> uh, I don't know how many people would actually find it funny but <laughs> yeah no it's, it's I, I don't think I'd ever share it um until I, unless I really did invest in getting it to a really good point I but... personally think Phil that that's a, a a mistake it's because when you're making something it's best to get that feedback as soon as possible like write five pages show it to someone and if it falls flat you can you'll have a clearer sense in your mind of where to go from Mm, there whereas if you're writing like a hundred pages of a script and when you feel like okay it's worth showing to someone and they don't respond to it as the way you feel it should you get deflated and you feel like giving up, and that's the wrong way of going about it, I feel. That's true. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think I just... Show I me. Guess... Show me. <laughs> All right, I'll just show yeah, it Yeah, just to show you. it to me. Like, I, whenever <laughs> someone comes to me with a story or an idea, I, I'm never judgmental. I try to use my own criticism to uh, improve it on it. Okay, all right. Well, because the thing is, though, I feel like you're just going to think I'm a right nutter. You're just going to be like, oh, my goodness. Oh, just... believe me, I'm I'm pretty insane myself. So, <laughs> Oh, that's good then. But, I mean, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just, you know, it's a proper out there idea. But, mm. you know, in my head, it all makes sense. And it's just, it's just been a fun one, really, to write. It's just a really good therapeutic thing to do. I think is that is that where you find your therapy then I don't it chops and changes all the time like some days it'll be like right I'm gonna sit on the guitar and like write a song and then you know that'll be really silly but that's that when my um, granddad passed away I remember (laughs) I don't know if I should be saying this but (laughs) whatever um when my grandma passed away I I um I got really really drunk off like neat vodka and sat out on the balcony and I ended up recording a voice note to my cousins like me and my cousins have a group chat 
and I sung for like 20 minutes about my granddad and his handkerchief and like all these other like bits of memorabilia that I'd brought back from after he'd passed away and like I don't know it was really stupid and like the girls bless them they were all like oh that was an amazing song I was like I listened to it back I was like oh my gosh that was absolute trash (laughs) but you know what that for that night and that night only that was the only way it was going to go that was it I couldn't sit there I think you know everyone grieves yeah. in different ways, don't they? And like we, even with this whole quarantine thing, people are going to be grieving their social lives, and mm. you know, people there are going to be people that, you know, get really drunk one night or say, leave a silly voice note, or you know, there's all sorts of different things mm. that we do and, re- and ways that we react as human beings. But I just think, don't beat yourself up about it. Um, that you know, sometimes you know it fluctuates some days so yeah some days it could be sat on the guitar being melodramatic and and then other times it can be like just quietly reading a book like I don't Mm. need to be creating anything but I just want to be like learning and like filling my head with something new Um, so I think yeah I think it's that there's yeah there's a lot of pressure I think for people to be going out creating stuff but then actually we can be just as much as wanting to push stuff out into the world we can also like sit back and take stuff in yeah um, and get that balance as well I feel like when you take stuff in it's like feeding your own inner energy to like push stuff out by reading and like absorbing different content that's how you find things to write about or find things to laugh about yeah definitely definitely so yeah I, th- I feel like that's still part of the creative process to absorb and to reinterpret stuff as well yeah it's like we said like it's going to be really interesting to see I'd love to see your script by the way of the uh I'll, yeah I'll definitely the, send it the, over because it was it as a conference call wasn't it as a conference call drama yeah that's it that's basically the brief was to write a script that takes place in a uh, video conference and it has to have between two to four people and there's a really tight budget for it so nothing outlandish and that was basically it did you write in any like actors that you wanted to play your people in your script no like it was pretty much a really basic story that could be played by anyone like there was no like when I write I don't write in imagery I write in like narrative Mm, that's interesting so yeah that's so you so when you're writing do you can you imagine so you don't imagine like the shots and how they're gonna look necessarily but more in terms of the plot line and like the yeah dialogue. and how it plays out oh that's so interesting for me I'm an artist but I don't I can't draw from my head I have to have referencing I have to have I have to know what something looks like before I can draw it and it's the same with my writing. If I don't have something in front of me, that I, I won't be able to describe what's in my head unless I see it. That's so interesting. Is that not how you work? No. <laughs> like, this is the thing. That's what I say. It's like, cool about it. Like, I like, I like that's because I feel like so. So when me and my housemate Holly were writing the script, we were very much like writing. Basically, we're writing true to life things that pretty much happened so I guess in a way there's a lot of it that wasn't in our heads in our imaginations because it had actually happened mm-hmm. like um like just little comedic moments um that yeah. were very much like cut to internal like just like writing down all that I'll try and find like some of the um some some of the the kind of narrative of it um but yeah we were just very very much like descriptive writing and things like that like sort of there was loads mm. there's a huge chunk of the script that's just scene setting which I think means we're probably not very good at writing scripts because it was almost like a book <laughs> um <laughs> but I mean that's just like you know uh, very um amateur but we did so we started with like character profiles and stuff like that mm. But yeah, where's it like? So things like Holly spins around, still holding the the wooden spoon that was in the pot. 
What was inside the pot drips onto the floor off the spoon. Holly and Harriet both stare at each other in excitement. And so, like, things like that. And then it's just, like... (laughs) very descriptive. I find, like, stuff like that is brilliant because it helped... Well, it really depends who's reading it. Yeah. Like, if it's from a story point of view, it's brilliant. But for, like, maybe directors who have their own vision of stuff... Yeah. Oh, I don't need this. It's like, yeah, the script is micromanaged. I mean, like, literally, yeah. is it like Harriet walks towards the bag and the delivery? So, this is our first experience of contactless delivery from Deliveroo. Um, Harriet walks towards the bag and the delivery driver takes a step back from her Holly so we changed the names in the end but um, obviously we just put our own because these are like sort of from Holly stands there watching nervously fiddling with her lip and smirking Harriet bends down and starts (laughs) gathering the items laughing at the delivery driver so is this how it works Holly and Harriet, the delivery driver gets on his moped and drives off. Holly and Harriet burst out laughing and shut the garage door. They walk towards the front door, chatting incessantly about whatever they want to talk about. And then it cuts to the living room. And so there's just loads of descriptive writing in there. Um, Very bizarre, very bizarre script writing. That's great. (laughs) Just describing it like that, you get a clear sense of what it looks like. And I feel like when I write, like I've given the person making the film more freedom to make anything they want yeah yeah I mean I guess with yours being dialogue based would would you ever consider it being like you know like the archers on radio four like would you ever consider it being like a radio radio play play? yeah yeah I would love to do stuff like that because you've got that more like uh, uh, dialogue driven narrative you could probably get, I mean, because, you know, our script would definitely not work for radio because there's too much description in there, but very little dialogue in comparison. But, like, yeah, would you do that, maybe? I Yeah, I would love to. Like, I, I, like there's three types of uh, writers. One who excels in description. Yeah. One who excels in narrative. Yeah. And one who excels in dialogue. And I feel like dialogue is the one that I excel at most. Cool, yeah. You could, you could, you should say, get something going with that. If dialogue is your your niche, that is definitely needed in this during this pandemic. Like we need dialogue driven <laughs> things that uh, can be easily like recorded on like you know like the low budget and stuff. It'd be really cool to have something like Suffolk based, like radio, yeah. like Suffolk based radio plays get icr involved have like a radio play that'd be awesome that'd be so cool yeah podcasts is one thing but you could definitely do a radio play as well 100 percent. that's true what was i gonna say oh yeah it's a gamer as well um we like so we really have enjoyed during this like quarantine time playing like games that have been very like um psychological led like um narrative based games so we did um, Detroit. Become Human. That's yeah. one of my favourites. Yes. Yeah. So like that was the first like, so I'm not really a gamer like that, but mm. um, I, I obviously picked up the controls all right enough to like play, play mm. it through. And that was such, that is like, that is really been like a lifesaver game because like it's kind of like when we finished work when I finished work like obviously a lot of the stuff I've been doing has been around like COVID-19 messaging and stuff so it's mm. been really in my face and I think just to take the pressure off, I've had to like really step away and sort of step into other worlds. And I'm not saying, yeah, become like a complete gaming addict, but... Well, it's it's still quite a depressing story. I mean, oh, God. Yeah, I mean, well, it depends what decisions you make. Ed. Well, that's true. That's <laughs> there true, are that's many true. butterfly effects. I think my favourite was um, the relationship that I built with um, Connor and Hank. Like, yes. That was really, really good. Like, they had a proper little bromance. I loved it. (laughs) But, um, yeah, like, so that, like, I don't know, like, what would you say, like, in terms of other games that are like that? I mean, we did um, another one that was called Until Dawn, which was very much similar, like, decision-based. Yeah, Until Dawn, that's more horror-based. Yeah. Yeah. Another one who, which is made by the same creators of uh, Detroit is Heavy Rain. Aww. Yeah, it's a uh, a, a noir. Oh, cool. 
that sounds good. Have they got like a trailer? Because I know because yeah. before I ended up playing Detroit, we watched the trailer for it, which mm. is really cool. Have you seen the? Basically, the idea of Detroit came from a show real demo for what a PS3 can do. Oh, really? Yeah. So the idea of Detroit came like ten years before Detroit was made. Wow. So, so that's how long it took to like create the whole game. Well, no. Before Detroit was made, uh, the company that the team that made the game made two other games: Heavy Rain and uh, Beyond Two Souls, which right. stars Ellen Page and Willem Dafoe. Yeah, I love that. I love that the actors. So when I was playing, I was like, "Oh, look at Connor's little face!" <laughs> and my, my housemate was like, "You know, that's the actual real actor as well." Yeah. And I was just like, "No way!" And yeah. then she just showed me, like, yeah. and such that he was married to I can't remember which of the girls. Is it North? The girl that plays North, he's married to. Uh, I can't remember sure. now, but yeah, right. like I was just like, oh, that's really cool. That I didn't realise that how they do it matched up. To yeah, uh, check out on YouTube. Check out a video called Kara by right. Quantic Dream, oh. and that that shows the prequel of Detroit and how Kara was made. That's cool. Yeah, I I love it. I feel like I've, I've if there's a new skill I've taken up, it's becoming a gamer. <laughs> <laughs> during this quarantine yeah games is such a f- flexible thing and I, I could go on and on about this but <laughs> i think we have to wrap up soon yeah so. oh my gosh that's gone so like that wow <laughs> <laughs> one final question is once this pandemic is over what's the first thing you're gonna oh do? my gosh uh, i think i said that mentioned that earlier actually run to the pub <laughs> run to the pub um, uh, yeah no i'm really excited to go out and have a dance and mm. yeah that's that's the one thing i've really missed actually is dancing going out oh, and the dance that. yeah yeah and and definitely be getting a train down to Plymouth to see all my family on my dad's side because yeah really missing them and my little brother and oh. stuff so yeah yeah that's what i'll be doing yeah. <laughs> what about you at the moment I just want to go down to the beach. Nice. That's cool. That's a nice one. But that's because like there is no cloud in the sky and there's the sun and it's yeah. perfect beach weather. But... That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, that, I mean, that's what I was thinking, but like beer garden weather. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be nice, won't it? Thanks for coming on. And yeah, we'll definitely have to, to have another chat at some point oh yeah no worries it's been really good it's been really nice chatting so um mm. well done for doing this i, I just oh, think it's such you. a great idea i'm really looking forward to hearing the other episodes and that was the lovely harriet de max what a lovely lovely person it's always a pleasure to have a conversation with her and we geek out over so many different things and you can tell she's a natural interviewer she asks these really interesting questions and it really made this whole podcast experience enjoyable and i hope you have enjoyed this episode as much as i have had in making it so thank you for listening and i'll see you next time